Hey everybody and welcome to the Saber Talk podcast. This is Mark Geis, your regular host, uh, but I want to introduce my good friend, one of my best friends growing up, Josh Eppinger, big time Sabres fan, and we're going to be trying to do this together from here on out and hopefully have some back and forth and some difference of opinion so it's not just you know me ranting on here for a half an hour. He's a really knowledgeable guy, so I think I think this is pretty exciting. Yeah. I think it's exciting too. Uh, uh, thank you, Mark, for uh, letting me come get a chance on here and uh, talk some uh, hockey with a good friend of mine who we got to play hockey together growing up with. So uh, I'm really excited about this, and I hope uh, some of you guys enjoy hearing me uh, my thoughts on the Sabres. Well, thanks, Josh. So we're going to get right into it, I think. First, we're going to discuss the Sabres and Flames game from last night, from Monday night. So the Sabres won their second straight with really, I mean, it really looked like a lineup from the tank years, pretty much, with all the injuries that this team is facing. But they've gotten two straight wins. And once again, it was the power play carrying the team to victory. So Calgary got out to a one nothing lead yesterday, but the Sabres ended up scoring three goals in about a two-minute span on uh, on several power play calls, on, on several uh, several penalty calls. And uh, Kyle Oposo got one. Johan Larson got one. Matt Molson got one on a great pass from Oposo. And um, and then Felino ended up scoring in the, uh, in the third period. So Taylor Fadoon ended up with two assists. Sam Reinhart had two assists. It was, uh, it was really – you know, really quality games for both of them. The team continues to struggle really at even strength, but the power play did exactly what this team needs it to do in order for them to win. So I think we've got plenty of things to talk about surrounding this game. Josh, I don't know if you want to come out with uh, with, with one of your topics you want to discuss well, first. Um, the first thing I have written down here is um, Robin Leonard on the two-on-one first goal of the game, he, he has a defenseman sitting in front of him, and I can't exactly remember who was in front of him but the the defenseman just kind of sat back and watched the the two guys come in and didn't try to eliminate a puck carrier and so Robin Leonard had a t- tough time moving laterally to his left his right hand side I do believe and um, they Calgary gets a first a easy goal on us first uh, first uh, period and from there I thought we we're gonna go downhill I mean Calgary has a pretty good roster and the Sabres did not look like they were going to be able to match it that night, but thank God that uh, Calgary kind of self-destructed on that four-on-four and uh, took two penalties. Uh, the last one was Dougie Hamilton tripping Rasmus Ristolainen in, in the corner, and uh, they got this set up, and O'Reilly, uh, I mean, Oposo got a, uh, got a pass threaded by uh, Reinhardt, which was nice to see because Reinhardt's been a player who's been kind of struggling in my opinion the last few games till but him giving those two assists and throwing it out to Oposo was really refreshing uh Oposo kind of slapped that puck right down on the ice and uh buried it top corner and that's what we pay that guy to do so that was really nice to see that uh yeah yeah definitely it was it was great to see Oposo get off the schneid because it had been I believe seven games for him without a goal um, and he'd been getting chances. He's been playing very well, so I don't want to imply that you know he was struggling or anything. But sometimes getting that goal is all you need to get in to get on that roll. And 
Sam Reinhardt, I agree. I thought this is a tremendous game for him. I know you and I had discussed before the Sam Reinhardt, Johan Larson switch where Larson moved up uh, and then Reinhardt moved down to play with Marcus Foligno and Brian Gianta. And I, I do think that was a very good move. I've been so critical of Dan Bilesman, his player selection and his line selection, but I think it was perfect to take a little bit of the pressure off of Reinhardt, but he's still playing with Foligno, who's been – I mean, you could say arguably this team's best forward considering what expectations were for him coming into the year. I think he's been great skating hard every Excellent. night. Uh, but you put you put Reinhardt in a very good position to take a little bit of that offensive pressure off of him, and he really looked good tonight. So I don't know if we want to discuss a little bit about what we see Reinhardt's ultimate upside and whether um, you know how long he's going to be at wing before he eventually moves – back to center and and ultimately what kind of player do you see him being once he fully matures i think uh, a lot of that has to depend on what jack's doing too i mean if they got if they got unspeakable chemistry at some point do you even move reinhardt to center i mean if it's not, not necessary if you got eichel and reinhardt in the first line and o'reilly and Oposo in the second line i mean who, who's gonna play third line o'reilly in the future i mean he I I, th I see him as a second a second center, but I mean he could roll go into a, a David Backus role like he for the St. Louis Blues last year, playing the third line and really dominating other third line uh, teams and are taking out better lines uh, top lines too. So it's interesting. I uh, I really like Sam Reinhart. Uh, I think his upside is awesome. I think the kid is smart. Uh, the, it really sucks that the Sabres had to put so much on his shoulders so far this year with all the injuries. It's it's a little uh, it was a little displeasing, and it's like Samson, what are you doing? But at the same time, he's 22, 21 year old kid. I mean, he's out there learning the league, and you know there's you know years after we drafted Reinhardt, and he wasn't up, and Sam Bennett was up. And everyone's like, oh, you drafted the wrong Sam. I absolutely don't think so at all. Uh, it's – Yeah. It, it, he's, he, he, he's setting up all the power plays for us, really. And with, that's really refreshing to see a, a kid that young taking demand of a pretty successful power play in the NHL. Definitely. I mean, that's been the reason why that power play has been the reason why the Sabres have been able to at least tread water and somewhat stay in this race. Without the power play being well above league average, I don't know where this team would be right now. But I definitely agree with you as to Reinhardt. And that's one of the beautiful things about the way this roster is constructed. And I'm really critical kind of thinking about around the edges. But if you think about just a few years ago, having Cody Hodgson, you have to rely on him as your number one center. You have to try to force Tyler Ennis, a natural winger, to play center. And you've got to bring in Jochen Hesch from the, you know, from the from a free agency to try to play center. He also is a natural winger. Um, so they don't have to do that anymore. Now they have this luxury that very few teams have because centers are such a, a rare commodity where one of these guys can play wing. And I think your path where you're saying ideally Reinhardt is Eichel's right-hand man and those two are able to play together and hopefully you'd have Kyle Oposo next to Ryan O'Reilly now you've got two very solid scoring lines really regardless of who you have on the other wing on those lines 
you've got to think those two lines are going to produce with with that kind of talent on them. You think I can? Uh, um, and I. Th- you think I can ask you a question? Of um, course. What do you think about Matt Molson, O'Reilly, and Kyle Oposo on a second line long term? I know the numbers aren't great for Mol- for Molson's salary, and uh, he could be considered dead weight. But I really like the, uh, the chemistry between him and Oposo. So. I, I those guys seem to play well, and and you're even seeing a completely different Matt Molson than I've seen on this team yet this year. I think so. I kind of want to think what I want to know what you think about those three possibly in the future. Well, he certainly he certainly looks like he's faster than he was last year. It, it probably reflects working harder in the off season. I'm not really sure what he did. Obviously, none of us none of us will because we weren't there with him, but. He's looked far better at even strength. I still wouldn't say he's an asset at even strength, but he at least is passable now. Um, and I think having two high-level high, lo- high level players like that next to him, you could probably get away with having Matt Molson as a passenger on that line. But I think ideally if this team does want to make the playoffs next year, I don't think you can have Matt Molson in your top six. So I think whether it's going out and, and finding another winger next year or maybe Alex Nylander – really catches fire down the stretch and is ready to come up to the NHL next year or with the way this season's going maybe the Sabres have a have a high pick and they can bring in some high level 18 year old I would I mean I'd be, I'd be surprised if that happened but I think ideally if this team is trying to make a run Matt Molson isn't in the top six and you're able to keep him in the bottom six and you know have him have him play the power play where he's definitely an asset and he would probably be on the second power play unit when everybody's healthy, uh, but let him work to where his strengths are. And I think he's only going to continue to get worse at even strength. You know, skating's never been a strong, never been a strong suit. Yes, he's passable this year, but I think every year it's going to deteriorate a little bit, and he's going to become more of a liability. So I think with injuries, he'll probably end up playing a lot of time in the top six. But I wouldn't. I would hope he's not penciled in there to start the season, basically. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm yeah. I'm not confident in this team's ability to make a run. I absolutely understand what you're saying, Mark. I uh, I just think you know, me and you both know from playing years of hockey. I think one of the most biggest advantages you can have is knowing that you know where someone's going to be on the ice that's on your team. You know that that someone's going to cover you. Someone's going to be in that corner when you when you have nowhere to put the puck. And I think chemistry is a very underrated. Uh, uh, advantage to the game, I guess. So that's that's why I wanted to know what you uh, your thoughts on that were. But I absolutely agree. If he's 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 getting older and he's not a strong skater, but it's just refreshing seeing someone uh, fit in and help his team tread a little bit. So definitely. I mean, he he's one of the reasons too why this team has kept its head above water. They've struggled to score so much, and he has seven goals. Mm-hmm. And I think all of our expectations, all of our expectations, were rock bottom low for him coming into the year. But him being able to do that, and I, I know he's done pretty much all of his damage on the power play. But goals are goals, yeah. and I mean it, it. It still shows market improvement over last year because they still had the same set of players last year, and he wasn't producing anywhere close to this, and he wasn't getting into those positions where he needed to be. He was a step late a lot of the time, so that's been one of the you know one of the big bright spots of this year. I already mentioned Marcus Felino being another one of my big time bright spots. 
Johan Larson was another one. I don't know if we want to discuss him he's more. My fa- and he's Jake my McCabe is another big one for me too. Oh yeah, McCabe's been good. Um, I think he was the player I was talking about earlier though that got caught in that two and one and didn't really know what to do uh, last night. But I love McCabe's play as far, and it's just been fun watching him play. And Marcus has been great. Uh, it's you know he's really going out there and giving it his all right now too. Uh, he's not afraid to he's not afraid to hit to lay a hit on someone. He's he's his hands look good. You know he looks like you know what we thought he was gonna be. And you know is his is his is his uh, is his uh, ceiling a third line center on a playoff? I mean third line winger on a playoff team, probably. But I mean that there's a lot of value in the NHL in that, and that's uh, very good. And and to go to Johan Larson. Man, that guy is te- my team MVP right now. Honestly, he's been so fun to watch. He he's getting beat up by guys. He's beating up others, and he's putting the puck on that. He he's kind of like a, a poor man's O'Reilly to me in a way, just because O'Reilly's gonna bury that shot most of the time, and Larson's missing it by just an inch or two, you know. So that's my thought on Larson. Uh, I don't know if you have anything to add, Mark. Yeah, I, I certainly agree that he's continued to exceed expectations. I That felino larsen Giants line really settled in last year and was a big reason why the Sabres were so good down the stretch. Mm-hmm. But you always wonder, is that because of low expectations? And there wasn't really any pressure on that team, so they were just going out and playing. But he's come back this year and really taken another step forward, I think. And one of the one of the most important things about him is – the ability to get under the skin of the opposing team. I know that's not easy to quantify. I know it's something that you you certainly appreciate. <laughs> that's always a always a quality that that Josh Eppinger values a lot, but he he brings a little bit of everything to the table and other teams hate playing against him and that's what you want out of your third line center. And the fact that they've been able to tread water having to rely on him a lot of, a lot of games as their number 1 or number 2 center it goes to show that he's been somebody that stepped up. Like, he played 20 minutes yesterday, and he's out there in all situations now. Yeah. He's a guy you have to and protect in the expansion, in my opinion, too. I think he, I, I think he's, like, the last guy. I'd keep him over Gergesons right now, but that's just my thought. Yeah, certainly. Well, he's, he's shown so much more ability to play center, and we discussed a little bit before but how valuable centers are in this league. That Yeah, Johan Larson definitely right now is a no-brainer expansion draft protect. It's going to depend, I think, what they do defensively if they bring in another defenseman this year as to you know whether they're going to protect three defensemen or four defensemen, and that's going to impact how many forwards they're able to protect. Yeah. Uh, but I think Larson, in either scenario, you've got to protect this guy because having – we discussed Reinhardt, O'Reilly, and Eichel before, you know, really your three high-level centers long-term. But Johan Larson, having a third-line center like that will play a, a huge role in this team being a uh, being a true contender, hopefully, in the next couple of years. Absolutely. Um, he's He's been fun. And he's, you know, I, I like you said, I appreciate the guys who can get underneath the – other team skin and man it's it's fun watching him piss people off <laughs> um but um yeah i i don't know if you heard the uh i don't know if you heard brad may say in one of the intermission reports he's like i watch him and i don't like watching the guy play and i'm rooting for his team <laughs> but it was it was a pretty funny comment because it is true i mean you watch him and 
he's coming in, giving the goalie a late whack, or you know, giving a guy a cross check as he's coming off the he, ice. He did ice someone. That adds day. up over the. <laughs> yeah. He did. He does. Yeah. He does like to do yeah. that too. <laughs> that's always a. It's always man. You do that to a goalie, they're not going to forget it. And you, you know, and if you get a puck behind them, they might self self implode. It's uh, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, and he he also uh, he was the one that that whacked that puck in after the whistle. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if you remember that play, but yeah, they weren't they weren't very happy about that Is either. That... But the Flames are a team that you want to do that kind of stuff to. They they're not that tough. Their defense isn't that imposing. Um, so I think that's exactly what you want to do against that team. Yeah. And it and it rattled them. They started taking penalties. I mean, I'm not saying there's a direct cause and effect there, but. I think the Sabres playing that you know that chippier game and getting on the forecheck, it definitely played a role in them getting all those power plays in the second period. You want to talk about a Flames player real quick? Um, sure. Dougie Hamilton. Uh, been talking. Flames might be interested in moving him. Uh, I I like Dougie Hamilton. Twenty three years old. Uh, six five, six six. I can't I can't quite remember, but he's. He's uh, an offensive threat uh, on on defense. Uh, you got anything to elaborate on Dougie there, Mark? I would certainly be interested in him. I think the issue is the Sabres don't really have the assets to make a move for him. I think for the reasons that you indicated, a 23-year-old defenseman, big, um, locked up long-term, and with a pretty good pedigree, you know, he's he's had good success at the NHL level. I think there'd be a lot of other teams out there with better assets to offer in a potential deal, and he'd have a lot of interest around the league. I've already seen him linked to several other teams. I haven't seen him linked to the Sabres. No, I don't think the Sabres make that move, but someone, you know, there's a team out there drooling for the chance at a guy like Dougie Hamilton, and i got to say I'm glad he doesn't have a B on his sweater anymore. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, I'm certainly happy that this, this current Bruins regime is made – many questionable decisions and I know that they almost made a run to the playoffs last year but I think those things are going to catch up to them to give up a, a guy like him for just a, a mid first round pick that was really the main piece coming back it's kind of inexcusable in in my opinion because really the the sky is the limit for somebody like that and I know that he was asking for quite a bit of money and you had to lock him up he was a restricted free agent but you don't let those players get away if you can avoid it and I think they they gave him away for for less than they should have, and some teams going to get a quality defenseman at a depressed value versus where it should be if they do decide to trade him. I think ultimately they're not going to decide to trade him, yeah. uh, but a team like the Red Wings, which is uh, Nadia, my wife's team, they've been linked to him, and that would be a fantastic. That'd be scary. Move That'd be them. scary. <laughs> yeah, and that's really exactly what they need. He's a righty, I believe, yes. too. Um, and Detroit needs righties badly, and they just need you know they need high level young defensemen in general badly. So I hope he stays in the Western Conference, and that if he is moved, it's not to our division. Yeah. But um, I I certainly agree with your assessment there that if if he is moved and the the price is relatively fair, or you know, in line with what people are talking about online, somebody's going to get a steal on their hands here yeah you know and, and i think you know uh since we're on trade talk here um evander kane uh there's been some uh reports saying the buffalo has been trying to shop him to vancouver but vancouver was not willing to pay the price for him 
I'm a I'm a Vander Kane fan. I I like him. I don't like the boneheaded decisions. I don't think anyone does. But the guy goes out there. He has a great motor. He's a big body. There's really no one quite like him on our roster, and there's a need for that type of player on our roster, in my opinion. I um. He, he, he can get going quick, and, you know, he, sure, he might shoot the puck in low-percentage areas. But I'm, I'm a fan of Evander Kane. I always have been, so I'm a little biased. But unless you get the right deal for Evander Kane, which I don't think most teams are looking to pay, I think they're trying to get a cheap uh, a cheap buy from him, I, I don't move him. I, I don't know. What, what do you think, Mark? I 100% agree with your assessment there. I think with his salary, so uh, his his cap hits 5.25 million. I think that depresses his value around the league. And then, like you said, I think the reason why teams are sniffing around Evander Kane is because they think after the stuff that happened in the off season, him getting injured, that his value is going to be lower than it was previously. But this team's wing depth is so lacking. I mean, especially having Eichel and O'Reilly out. But even with those two back, it's still it's still below average in the league and Kane brings a lot of things to the table that nobody else on this roster does. He gets in on the forecheck better than anybody else. This team isn't very fast. So he's one of the fastest players on the team brings that element of speed. And I think for all his flaws, which you pointed out the boneheaded plays and, you know, shooting from low percentage areas, he's still a very valuable NHL player. Now, do I think he's going to be here over the long term? I don't think he's going to be here beyond the end of his current contract, which is up after next year, strictly due to the raises that they're going to have to give Eichel and Reinhardt. They're going to have to make some tough decisions, and I think he's going to end up being one of those tough decisions that they have to make. Well, that's why uh, to get rid of. Well, that's why we got you know some of the younger guys. You know, like a Baptiste might be more ready to play a role like Evander Kane could in a few years from now. Uh, maybe Rodriguez, you know, Justin Bailey possibly too. Not too huge on Bailey, but he, he does have some decent wheels on him and he's a decent-sized body. But I, no, none of those guys are Evander Kane in my opinion either. But Well, I agree. Yeah, I think they're going to have to make tough decisions and evaluate, you know, is Justin Bailey at 750000 or whatever his cap hit would be, is that – better and can we use the remaining four and a half million dollars downgrading from Kane uh, to Justin Bailey can we use that elsewhere to you know to lock up Reinhardt or lock up Eichel or make a move for a defenseman that they've been talking about uh, and whether it's uh, you know who knows who's going to be out there that offseason but I think that's going to ultimately be a decision that they have to make and and rely on a lot of these younger guys that are going to be still either on their entry-level deals or probably on their cheap second contracts after becoming restricted free agents so I agree with your assessment I I like Evander Kane and I think I think you and I naturally want to when when players are getting a lot of flack from the general fan base I think yours and my instinct both is to defend them because it's probably unfair a lot of the criticism that they're getting and I think that's the case with yeah yeah I mean yeah sure you know you give a, you give anyone a, some money, they're gonna act like a jerk or something. But you know, he's he's a kid still. You know, he's not he's twenty six or is he twenty seven now? No, he's twenty six. Um, he may have turned twenty six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might be twenty six. But yeah, I think he may still be twenty five. Yeah, he, I mean, he's young. He's a young player. 
super gifted athlete. Um, I think I think a lot of the trade talk is a lot coming from Canada, and I think a lot of those guys like to pick on the Sabers a lot too. So it's uh it, it's weird, but uh, what's uh what's going on the topic of defensemen here? Uh, we were talking expansion draft earlier, and we have uh, we can protect three to four defensemen. Obviously, uh, Risto is going to be one of those players. I think um, the Sabers believe that McCabe is definitely going to be one of those players too. Where where they signed him and where he's at, I think uh, Las Vegas could be uh, drooling at a guy like a young player like him with his salary cap uh, and being left-handed, obviously. Um, what do you think about Dmitry Kulikov and Zach Bogosian? If this team was going to keep three player, three defensemen strictly because they wanted to keep forwards, would you rather, say in the Sabres, take Risto and McCabe? Would you rather protect Kulikov or Bogosian? Well, right now it would have to be Bogosian because Kulikov's an impending unrestricted free agent. So the only way that they would be protecting Kulikov would be if they if they get him yeah, locked up before up. then and I and I would it all depends on what that price is I guess I I've been pretty down on on Bogosian I think he is what he is and I think fan bases keep expecting him to take that next step but really what he is is that number three maybe probably more comfortable as a number four defenseman that you know can skate brings a physical element to the table but he's going to have his down stretches because I think he he just isn't um, – we were talking about Sam Reinhart before and how his hockey sense is just innate. And I don't think Zach Bogosian has that. He has all the physical talent, but he doesn't have that that mental ability or you know that mental aspect of the game that can make him a number one or number two defenseman. Uh, so if they can get Kulikov locked up for a, for a fair contract, I would probably be in favor of keeping Kulikov and exposing Bogosian. But – I probably would expect Kulikov to want to test the market. The market for defensemen doesn't look tremendous this year. This is the unrestricted market for defensemen, and they're such a rare commodity, top four defensemen, that you've got to think teams are going to be lining up to pay him yeah. next offseason. So I'd be kind of surprised if he ends up re-signing in season. So I think it will ultimately be Bogosian, but I would I would be I, I like, supportive of, of protecting Kulikov. I like Kulikov a lot. Uh, I I get the sense that you do too. Uh, I here's my problem with Zach Bogosian. He's the dude is never healthy. He, you know what? I love the way he moves the puck out of the offensive zone. I think he's one of the better players on our team of passing the puck on the breakout. That being said, I don't like the fact that he misses at least 20 games this season. He's done it like throughout his career. Uh, he, he doesn't play the power play. I don't know if that's him or. Uh, Coach Dan, there's fault, but I, I, I'm just at Bogosian's cap at what is it? Uh, about five million, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's five something. Um, I, uh, I, I just don't like it. I, we need a guy who can we can rely on, and you know, on the ice, I, he's uh, he's good, but he's never on the ice, in my opinion, and uh, he's just not worth the money and. We, I, I'm scared for the Sabres defense. Uh, I hope they can figure something out here. I know I, that's why I'm so high on McCabe being young and 
he's uh impressed me a lot. He's still learning some stuff, but he's uh he's been fairly uh he's been fairly good for the Sabres. I think eventually we'll be seeing him on the top pair with uh, Rasmus. Yeah, I think with everybody healthy, I know you and I and you and I talked about this off air, but uh, ideally, I think McCabe would be. Ristolainen's partner, and you'd hopefully have Kulikov with Bogosian. I actually liked that Kulikov-Bogosian pairing when they played together briefly before they yeah. both got hurt. Uh, but I think Kulikov lets Bogosian roam a little bit. Uh, Kulikov, I I do like a lot. You know, your your assessment was was spot on there. But he can kind of do a little bit of everything too. I think he's he and Jake McCabe are similar in a lot of ways, and I think I could see McCabe being a Kulikov type over the long term uh, because they can both skate they're both aggressive they challenge puck uh, puck carriers they can jump up into the play it's not really their forte uh, but they both use their physical talents very well I think and uh, that's probably what I would like to see long term I agree with you on Jake McCabe too and they have so many eggs in in that basket right now they really need McCabe to be a number two number three defenseman long term with the way this defense looks because it doesn't look like Zach Bogosian is going to be anything more than what he is now so he's not all of a sudden going to turn into a top pairing defenseman and I think you've got to be looking to upgrade on him if you can because this is it's a pattern now he's done it every year for years missing 15 20 30 games in a season where you can't really rely on him and in, in the salary cap era, to have over five million dollars in your in your cap locked up in somebody like that, I think is is concerning. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I absolutely agree. And you know, going back to McCabe now, even again, he has been joining uh, joining the rush and coming into play. And man, he's been close to burying some goals here lately. Uh, he kind of has the Johan Larson effect, just missing the net by a half an inch here and there. And uh, I'm hoping to see him score some goals this year. Definitely, yeah. I think uh, he's certainly so much more confident this year, and you always wondered about how he was going to respond because last year he was really thrown to the wolves. He was put next to Bogosian, relied to be a top-four defenseman on this team from day one when he really wasn't ready to do that, and he struggled. He had long stretches where you know, he looked lost and he was turning the puck over, and he just he, he didn't look confident, but he's looked like he's arrived now, and I think part of that is you're seeing him jump up more and more into the rush. I never think that's going to be the first thing that pops into your mind when you think of McCabe, mm-hmm. but I do think he should be able to pot a handful of goals in a given season. And I think Cody Franson, who gets a lot of flack from Buffalo fans, I think just because of how slow he yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely. But he's actually been a pretty effective partner for McCabe. Yeah. And- now, he was the one that put McCabe in that position. You were talking about it earlier where it, it, it was basically a, a three-on-one on McCabe, and I think he, <laughs> I think McCabe just didn't know what to do in that three-on-one, but it was because Franson got caught too low, and he didn't get a good shot off when it was basically four Sabres coming in on the yeah. rush, and then Franson's shot got deflected, and then Calgary was able to come back on a three-on-one. Uh, but I think generally that pairing's worked quite well and far better than I expected it would. Absolutely. Um what do you what do you think about um Casey Nelson getting out? I I think it was good for him to get out of the pro team and go back down to Rochester because uh 
he was struggling. He he wasn't looking good. And the guy who I kind of had high hopes for last year, uh, Nelson is uh was a little disappointed in me. I mean he he's tried, but it, he definitely needs some more time down in uh with the Amherst. Yeah, I I certainly agree. And that was one of the things I was most critical about even before the season started was them basically relying on Casey Nelson because you know you know in this league you're going to have to use eight or nine defensemen in a given season so they started the year with Nelson as their seventh defense and really not another option there I mean Justin Falk was fighting for the role I guess Taylor Fadoon was in the mix too but you knew probably Casey Nelson was going to be that seventh defenseman but to have to rely on a guy who you really just got a small sample size look at last year and not really have a plan b I think is ultimately on Tim Murray and that was one of the things I was I was critical of him on but yeah Nelson struggled I think um I think it's catching up to the speed of the NHL game in terms of thinking it that that is his biggest problem because he can move the puck he can skate I think he has the makings of a capable NHL defenseman but there are a lot of guys out there that have those abilities it's really you know are you going to make are you going to make the right decisions in critical times? You're constantly under pressure as an NHL defenseman, and are you going to be are you going to be calm under that pressure? And I think he wasn't, uh, and he really lost all confidence. And thankfully, Taylor Fadun was able to come up and really make a positive impact so far and be that puck mover that I oh, think can, that everybody hoped Casey Nelson would be coming into the, coming into the season. Yeah, he can slide that puck around and he he makes good passes. He he's not going to turn make he I haven't seen him make a bad turnover yet since he's been up and that's been refreshing. Uh Fadoon uh, he is he a right-handed or left-handed shot? I was wondering this earlier. I couldn't figure it out. I should have looked it up. Um I believe he's a righty and Falk is a lefty. Okay, that, that, I think that's, that's right. They've been they've been playing together. I believe that's the case. Just trying to envision them playing uh, in my mind, and I'm pretty sure Fadoon is a righty. Yeah, I think so too. I'm. But he, I, I think he's going to have a role on this team moving forward. Oh yeah, you know he, he's 26 years old. Oh, he is, he, he is a right-handed shot, too. He, I'm pretty sure he's 26 years old. He spent some time. I mean, people are arguing, I saw the other day, that he's a career AHL guy. And he might be, but you know what? Those guys are – those guys – it's great to have guys like him and Cal O'Reilly on the roster. And I was kind of surprised that he O'Reilly, Cal O'Reilly wasn't brought up earlier. It's just guys that know how to play the game. They have experience. And if you need them in dire situations, they're there. And that's – there's not enough guys like that in Rochester, like you were saying earlier. Uh, it's a, uh, it's it's tough. I feel I feel bad for Rochester, but I mean, the business is in the big club, you know, and we gotta we gotta figure some stuff out. Cause, man, I tell you what, it's hard, it's hard for me at least to watch these games and then go watch a Toronto Maple Leafs game and see that thinking that we were a front of them in the rebuild, and we still possibly are. But man, they they are they're playing pretty w- well in the start of the season. They're uh, s- slowing down now, but still, Toronto yeah, is scary. Definitely, and I think I think their rebuild, if we're you know if we're considering 
all the moves that they made. I've said that on this podcast before. I think their rebuild was better than the Sabres. They, they of course, had the luck to get a number one pick, too, and to get Austin Matthews. But I think a lot of the other moves that they've made in terms of selling off assets, I think they did a far better job in their rebuild than the Sabres did. And I think they are scary for that reason because I think they are well-run. I think they're better run than the Sabres. Um, and I believe in their management more than I do in – Tim Murray. It pains me to see. Yeah, that yeah, it's, it, it hurts because I, I I want nothing more than to see them crash and burn. It's been fun to see them be so bad for so <laughs> long, but uh, I don't think they're going to be. I don't think they're going to be bad moving forward. And I think they're in a great position where they have all this talent up front, and they're going to be able to parlay that into a, another high level defenseman here. That's going to be probably their biggest target this offseason because yeah. that's still their weak spot. Yeah, they got their goalie. I was critical of that move, them trading a first rounder for Frederick Anderson, but uh, they're set up front really with all their pieces, and they've got really surplus talent that they can use to bring in another defenseman to go along with Morgan Riley. Yeah, Kadri is uh, he's really starting to come along too. I mean, the guy was getting a lot of criticism earlier in his career, but. I like watching him play. Being the kind of hockey player that I've uh, been my life in my life, he, he's fun to watch, even for uh, God dang Toronto Maple Leaf. Well, I think he's another one of those guys like Evander Kane that just received too much flack, and he's statistically been a pretty effective player throughout his career. But I think the Maple Leafs fans that that Toronto media is so tough, and the Leafs fans. They, they wanted him to be the savior, to be that number one center that's going to lead them to the promised land. And that's not who he is. It, he shouldn't be faulted for that. That's never who he was. But it was kind of like Zemgus Gergensen's for the Sabres, where he just was the top offensive, you know, the top offensive pick up front and the top prospect they had for a long time that people get these unrealistic expectations for him. But I think he settled in and become a very valuable guy to have in that middle six. Yeah, absolutely. What what do you th- bring up Gergerson's? What do you think about him? He's playing on a one year contract right now. He's uh, on a prove it deal, and uh, you know he 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 hasn't been a guy who's caught my eye much this season. I I I like that you know he he's became more physical from the from the Ted Nolan years to now, but uh, so I, I'm that's a big part of the game to me. But he just—he just doesn't seem to be—he doesn't seem to have a role on this team, and it's—it's it's upsetting to me because I, you know, we all loved him, you know, three years ago, but now there's that role is vanishing for him. I feel like. Yeah, and you're starting to see, and even some of these AHL call-ups, Dan Bylsma starting to rely on them a little bit more than he relies on Gergensen. I think part of that is Bylsma. I don't know if he hasn't liked Gergensen's or hasn't seen really a, a strong role for him on this team, whereas Ted Nolan loved the guy and, you know, rode him hard. Um, so I don't know if that's playing a role in it, and Gergensen's maybe feels like the coach doesn't have confidence in him. But at the same time, you know, this is a business, and you've got to come out, you've got to make the most of the time that you're on the ice. And I think he hasn't really done that. And I, he, he needs to be productive. He needs to be offensively productive. He doesn't need to – go out and, and score 20 goals in a season. But for this team to be a contender, they're going to need their middle six players, which Gergensen's would be in that mix. They're going to need those guys to be able to pot 10 goals a season. And now it's starting to look like he may not be worth what it's going to require to lock him up 
long term after this prove it deal that he's basically on so the rest of this year is going to be huge for him and huge for his future because I think that that could be one of the pieces that the Sabres dangle to try to either improve their skill on the wing I've talked a lot about that I think being one of their fatal flaws um, or to or to move for a for, uh, for an upgrade on the on the back yeah. end yeah um other players uh another player I've been thinking about lately and we haven't been seeing him play obviously is Tyler Ennis uh we've all all most Sabres fans of all had love for Tyler Ennis at some point in their life and he's been a lot of fun to watch but is he too far gone in injuries is he gonna can he be the guy that we know the water bug going around making amazing plays catching awesome passes making awesome passes putting the puck in the net going around defensemen I'm I'm starting to really doubt this in him and I, I, yeah, I have I have my doubts as well. Certainly, um, I think they're probably not going to have a choice, but to see what he does over at least next year. I mean, he has two more years left on his deal after this. Um, he both he and Matt Molson. I think the Sabers may have to look at buying one or both of them out if they're not able to move them before that offseason where they have to pay Eichel and Reinhardt. But concussions have taken down a lot of very effective uh, effective NHL players and uh, I think that coupled with other injuries that he's had it's not like concussions have been his only injury yeah. I think it sapped a lot of his effectiveness he wasn't effective when he played this year and I certainly have my doubts too I think you can't rely on him unless he comes back and plays lights out down the stretch I, you can't rely on him next year to come in and be able to fill a top six role you've got to hope for the best but prepare for the worst I think with him at this point back in the heyday uh, Tim Connolly there great player one of the best stick handlers I remember watching growing up he's his injuries uh his concussions plagued his career man I mean he could have been something special a first a first not first overall but a first round draft pick by the Sabres uh I think in the late 90s uh, well, he was actually drafted by the uh, by the Islanders. Oh, the Islanders. Okay. He was a he was a high pick. Yeah. He was uh, in the Pekka trade. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, yeah. But yeah, I definitely agree. Very highly talented player that similarly was brought down by injuries. Yeah. And remember how big he was in that 2006 run. Oh yeah. Um, on 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 those uh, on those very good Sabres teams, the best Sabres teams that you and I have seen in our lifetimes yep. uh, he was he was a very important part of that team and you saw how quickly he fell off the map yeah absolutely and that very well could be happening with Tyler Ennis I hope it's not he's a guy you want to believe in who's overcome a lot of odds to be where he is today at, at his size you know he was pretty overlooked throughout his entire career he came in and you said it before that I think a lot of Sabres fans liked him for that because he fought every time he was on the ice always skated hard but I don't know it's it's really not there anymore and yeah, you've got to wonder I mean you've got to wonder what they're going to do financially having having that commitment yeah no one wants to no one want, likes to see anything like that yeah, uh, but at the end of the day it's a business you know um, you got any uh, any other questions for me there, Mark? Uh, um, 
Well, if we if we don't want to discuss anything more about the game or um, some of the other topics we've thrown around, we should talk about the Red Wings game tomorrow. Okay. And you know what we think about the Red Wings and uh, who should we expect in net and uh, you know what do we uh, what do we predict this matchup to end up. Uh, you know, what do we predict the, the final score to be or what kind of game to expect? Yeah, uh, well, I I think uh, I really liked uh, knowing that that Anders Nielsen had 50 saves against the the Stanley Cup defending uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I was kind of surprised that uh, Bilesman went with, uh, went with Leonard for... Calgary uh, yesterday, but they—that's what happened. And I think once you're starting goaltender, Leonard is their guy, right? So they're gonna probably play him against the the Red Wings because they want him to get build confidence. But is it is it a right move either? I mean, playing a team like the Red Wings to put Leonard in after getting a win, you want to keep his confidence up. That's the most important thing with him. Uh, what do you think? Um, I agree with you that I would have I would have kept riding the hot hand versus Calgary. I mean, now you probably look at Leonard as being the hot hand because he's coming off the win, so probably he will get the start, but I feel like goaltenders are so high variance in the league that when one has a nice a nice hot stretch going, I think you should try to ride him, and especially when you think about Robin Leonard and his injury issues over time, that you want to get Nielsen starts while you can. Mm-hmm. You know, ideally Nielsen would be getting 25, 30 starts this year. I don't think he's going to get up to that, get up to that level. But if they had given him a few starts in a row here, you take a little bit of the workload off of Leonard, and you know Leonard's going to get on his on his hot stretches. That's how he's been throughout his career. So that's probably the route I would have gone as well if I was in Biles' shoes. And Nielsen's numbers so far are very good. I think he's. Got what like a nine fifty save percentage. Yeah, he's been he's been thus he's far been this solid. year. He's in his lateral I like his lateral movement a lot more than I like Leonard's. I will say that. Definitely. And I'm sure that's probably what Murray saw being willing to give up a draft pick for him was a big guy with with very good reflexes and, and lateral mobility. Leonard has that to an extent. He's certainly athletic for his size, but I think Nielsen is a step above Leonard in that regard. Uh, but I I expect Leonard to be to be in net tomorrow, in all likelihood. Um, and then for the Wings, this is an important game for the Sabers and for the Wings. They're kind of right around with each other. They're both trying to keep their heads above water. Water. The difference is that the Red Wings haven't dealt with injuries to the same extent that the Sabers have. I think they're just not a good team. Uh, the Sabers, with everybody healthy, may be a good team. Yeah. We don't really know yet. But they don't scare me, and I think they're in this purgatory where it's going to be very difficult for them to get out. And they've they've got some talented players, and Dylan Larkin, you know, should be a, a pretty high level player. Um, they've got some other young youngish guys that I like. You know, you talk about Gustav Nyquist and uh, Thomas Tatar, Danny DeKaiser. I like I like Peter Mrazek a lot. He struggled quite a bit through this year. They br- uh, but that team that team doesn't scare anybody. Well, and they, they, and they also made some pretty good uh, moves in free agency this year, bringing in Franz Nielsen. I, yeah, sure they overpaid for him, but you're going to overpay for a player like that uh, any day. I, I think he only has about five points this season. Uh, let me look it up here. Yeah, he has three goals and two assists. Uh, so you want you want more assists from your center. 
Uh, bringing in Vanek, he was a good for him out the start, if I do remember correctly. Um, it, it, the thing about those guys, it just scares me having guys like Albicator and and uh, and Nicholas Cronwall. I mean, I I don't want to see any of our guys get hurt. We we can't afford to have any more injuries here. So it should be a yeah, but that team that that team really shouldn't be scaring anybody in terms of physical play. Um, Abdulkader is their toughest forward up front, and he's not. You know, Marcus Flino could beat him to a pulp, and Cronwall isn't really the same player he he has been in prior years. So. I'm not scared of that team physically. I think their fatal flaw is how much money they've tied up in their non-core players. You know, they see Justin Abdelkader as being a, a part of their core, apparently, because they're willing to lock him up long-term at a pretty good salary. But I think that kills you in the salary cap era. And Kenny Holland, their GM, is still operating like it's the 1990s and the Red Wings can just outspend everybody. But it doesn't work like that. And I think Franz Nielsen, that signing is going to backfire on them and I said it at the time yeah. I like him a lot as a player yeah. but that contract is horrible uh Vanek that I I liked that deal because there was really no risk from the Red Wings perspective yeah absolutely um but what those two moves did also was block some of their younger guys and I think they needed those younger guys to come in and to be a spark if this team wanted to do anything um so you look at you look at uh, Athanasiu and he started out not being in the lineup on a regular basis. He is now um, – they had to start Anthony Mantha down in the minors to start the season. He's He's been playing with the big club now. But I think you blocked a lot of those guys that you needed to come in and play big roles and to make big progressions this year if that team wanted to make the playoffs. So I think they're just poorly run, and I think they need to, they need to fire Kenny Holland – sooner rather than later yeah. and and start running you know catch up to the cap era yeah it's a it's a whole different game now you're absolutely right and uh it should be interesting i'm really i'm really hoping uh sabers can pull it up but uh i'll be uh slinging drinks at the tap room on 43 east main west westfield new york uh <laughs> think pre-thanksgiving party one of the biggest uh bartending days of the year for me so I'll be uh, catching everything I can. We'll put it that way, and watching stuff later when I get home from work. <laughs> our uh, our new sponsor, right? The tap yeah, room. Yeah, the tap room. Uh, come 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 <laughs> ask come in and ask for Josh. Uh, he'll slide you a nice cold Molson on draft. We just put it on there for you, hockey fans. <laughs> nice, yes. nice. That's one of the that's one of the most frustrating things about being here. So obviously, Josh is talking to you from from. Westfield, New York. I'm talking to you from Fargo, North Dakota. One of the worst things out here is you don't, you can't find Molson, can't find Labatt. Oh man, it's very, very frustrating. Jeez. So everybody relies on Miller Light and Bud Light, and that's not the world I want to live in, man. <laughs> no. No. Oh. No, it's 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 depressing. You, you you try to enlighten people, but there's nothing you can really do. People are so set in their ways. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, one last question for you, Mark. Before uh, before we take off, I'm gonna go back to uh, Calgary last night. Who's your uh, top three stars of the game? If you had to, if you had to go with, I know there's a lot of a uh, lot of guys you could list there. So 
take your time and uh, give me an idea because I got a couple written down here. <laughs> if you want me to start. Okay. Should I should I order them one through three? Uh, yeah, yeah. Why not? Okay. Um. Well, I know I've got to have Reinhardt in there. I've got to have Oposo in there. And then it's a toss-up between Fadoon and Felino. I think is my as my third star. Let's see. I'll go yeah. Felino as the third star. Okay. I will go. I'll go Reinhardt, second star, Oposo, number one star. All right. Well, how about you? Well, uh, you we're we're looking about around the same area here, but uh, third star I gave it to Fadoon. Two assists on the night. Uh, really impressed the way he moved the puck on the power play. That that was great for me. Uh, I gave the second star to Kyle Oposo. Uh, you could argue him or Reinhardt for the top star, but I Sam Sam just made me so happy looking like Sam Reinhardt again. I gave him the top star because you know putting the puck in small windows, but and giving it to guys to score goals, but you. Kyle Poso's pass to Matt Molson might have been the best pass of the game. So, I mean, it's a toss-up between those two. It was uh, it was great watching that game. Brought, made me, uh, my Sabre suppression, feel like, hey, things aren't so bad. <laughs> well, they, they scored four goals, which blew my mind. I mean, we're getting so used to seeing them score one or two every night, or zero. Um, for them to get four goals was just a lot of fun. And for, to see them score three goals in two minutes, too. Yeah. I think I mean I joke I, I joke every time they get down by a goal or two in the third period it's like there's no way this team is going to score a goal in five minutes it's it's impossible they how can't, much is it they're how, so inept offensively how much of a joke is it <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um you know it, it it's just nice seeing those guys playing man for that puck was about to leave the zone on Felino's goal and Reinhardt lifts the stick of the defenseman and takes the puck right back from him. And then takes it to his backhand and gives it to Felino, who takes it his backhand and slides the puck underneath Brian Elliott's skate to get into the net. That was uh, pretty cool. That was a uh, yeah. That was a pretty pretty nifty sequence yeah. overall. Because um, yeah, it was a, it was a nice play by Reinhardt and then a, a very nice play by Felino too. Very strong play for him to stay in a position to be able to get that puck on net and to get it with enough oomph on it to be able to get by Elliott. I thought that was a. That was a nice play on, on both their ends. Oh, yeah. So maybe they could be building some chemistry together, and maybe they maybe they will eventually roll Eichel, O'Reilly, and uh, and Reinhardt at center. But then, of course, it means you gotta you gotta move Larson to the wing, which I don't want to yeah. do. But, Time will tell, um, man. Time will tell. Yeah. Uh, it's a good problem to have. It's it's a problem that not many teams have. That's one area where the Sabers are not lacking. We can talk about a lot of things, but. They're good at center long term. Hey, things are looking up. You know, Jack might be skating with the team here pretty soon. Uh, O'Reilly's playing tomorrow night. You know, hopefully these guys can stay healthy. I don't want, and I don't think the Sabres are going to go out there and let Ryan O'Reilly get hurt, uh, play unhealthy. He's a tough man. I'm sure he wants to be on the ice right now uh, with his worth ethic and the way he plays the game. There's no doubt in my mind, but I don't know the guy personally. But uh, it, it's uh, I, I'm excited to see O'Reilly taking faceoffs again tomorrow night, and we'll see we'll see how the game goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he, he's so important to the team, and 
I, I hope that they learn from. I think he rushed back before in that was that Friday night game versus the Devils. Yeah. And then he's he's uh, missed time ever since. I think they've got to learn. You can't listen to him because he's going to want to go right back out on the ice, even if he is actually seriously injured. Uh, but to have him back will be great. And, yeah, we we had to mention Eichel. I'm surprised that that never came <laughs> up. But, yeah, hopefully he'll be back within the next couple weeks. And, I, and I said that, I've said this a couple times to some friends and patrons that come to my bar. I don't like to save his chances against most teams in the NHL about Ryan O'Reilly and Jack Eichel. So to see these guys working something out and playing – it's uh it's refreshing and better days are soon to come. Yeah, I mean what what NHL team really would be that competitive without their top two centers? Yes, yeah, exactly. It's 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 such a league of parity now where I think I think they've done about as well as you could have expected with both of them being out. And then if you also talk about Kulikov and Bogosian being out, I think them being them being where they are right now is about as much as I could expect. They're still somewhat alive. They're going to have to go on quite a run when everybody comes back if they want to really be in the thick of the playoff race. Yeah. But they haven't. They haven't. You know, they haven't shot themselves in the foot at the very least. Yeah, it's a. It should be interesting, man. I'm. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to hopefully doing some more of these podcasts with you and uh, talking about the Sabers and you know the NHL in general. I, uh, definitely well I think this I think this serves two purposes because you and I don't get to talk a whole lot you know being being so far away from each other so we can catch up a little bit and have some really good back and forth I mean we we have conversations all the time prior to the you know prior to the podcast being started and we both obviously watch the game closely and and follow this team pretty intensely so hopefully we can catch up and at the same time provide some good conversation for people you know, commuting in their cars or, or whatever, however people come across yes, this. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. And it's, it, like you said, it's killing two birds at one stone, buddy. Um, Definitely. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing the next one, and I think this went very smoothly. Hopefully everything in post-production, as I'll call it, uh, goes smoothly and we can, we can get this out very quickly. Yep. 